Hello and welcome to Just a Guy and his journey back to God. So today we're in John 7, but before we go there, let's go to God in prayer. Father, I'm grateful for who you are, the creator of all, the most high. I mean, it's, I can't describe you because you're, you're just too much. And Father, I come before you seeking out your will, seeking out your mercy and your grace. And I come seeking your presence in our words. As I read your word, Father, I just pray that the Holy Spirit would guide us, would teach us, would talk to us, envelop our hearts and our minds, and may our spirit be open to your message, that there be nothing from me and everything from you. I pray for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. So in chapter 7, it's a fairly long chapter. I could have spent you know, two, another two podcasts on it or more. And what's happening to me on these longer ones is as I prepare for them, I do a lot more reading. I think I have a concept, and then I get wrapped up in another point of view, and, I, and uh, it just gets confusing at times as to which, which route to go. So today we're going to go, we're just going to read straight through. There's a little bit here uh, that I then want to share from Charles Spurgeon. And we'll just take care of it from there. So chapter 7, verse 1 of John. After this, Jesus went around in Galilee. He did not want to go about in Judea because the Jewish leaders, because the Jewish leaders there were looking for a way to kill him. But when the Jewish festival of tabernacles was near, Jesus' brother said to him, Leave Galilee and go to Judea, so that your disciples there may see the works you do. No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Since you are doing these things, show yourself to the world. For even his own brothers did not believe in him. So just a quick note about the tabernacle, the festival of tabernacles. It was a week long, and the Jew, Jewish uh, people who were within reach of Jerusalem within a reasonable trek, they all had to go there and celebrate. And they lived in, they built these little tents, tabernacles, and it was a reminder for seven days of where they lived, the tents, while God was leading them out of Egypt. And this happened every year and during the seventh month of the year. And um, I think it was the, the started on the third uh, Sunday or Monday of the of the month, but it happened every year. There was feasting and whatnot, and so it lasted an entire week. Therefore, therefore, Jesus told them, "My time is not yet here. For you, any time will do. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me, because I testify that its works are evil. You go to the festival. I am not going up to the festival because my time has not yet fully come." After he had said this, he stayed in Galilee. However, after his brothers had left for the festival, he, he went also, not publicly, but in secret. Now at the festival, the Jewish leaders were watching for Jesus and asking, where is he? And what's interesting is reading some of the commentaries, one of the things that they point out is how heartbreaking it must have been for God. Here he is 
you know, they're, they're celebrating this festival and it was about God. It was about Jesus leading him, them out of Egypt. Everything, every element was about him. And here they were prepared to kill him. So it must've just been quite the, uh, challenge, but he knows us. So anyways, as a father, I would be really pissed off, right? If that was my child that the festival was about, but the leaders were trying to protect their own, you know, power and they were trying to kill him, I'd be unhappy. So anyways, um, verse 12, among the crowds, there was widespread whispering about him. Some said, he is a good man. Others replied, no, he deceives the people. But no one would say anything publicly about him for fear of the leaders. Not until halfway through the festival did Jesus go up to the temple courts and begin to teach. The Jews there were amazed and asked, How did this man get such learning without without having been taught? Jesus answered, My teaching is not my own. It comes from the one who sent me. Anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. Whoever speaks on their own does so to gain personal glory. But he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is a man of truth. There is nothing false about him. Has not Moses given you the law? Yet not one of you keeps the law. Why are you trying to kill me? So I wrote about this quickly in the uh, summary of the podcast. I I have to keep myself in check. It's one of my biggest sins is I remember when I did well back in my earlier life, God was blessing me. And I would take credit for it. I'd be like, oh, yeah, God, God, God. And then I'd start playing lip service to God. And then it was becoming, oh, no, it's because I'm great. And, of course, things then would not go well. So, anyways, it's one of those things that who, who am I really serving? Is it God or is it myself? Verse 20. You are demon-possessed, the crowd answered. Who is trying to kill you? Jesus said to them, I did one miracle, and you were all amazed. Yet because Moses gave you circumcision, though actually it did not come from Moses, but from the patriarchs, you circumcise a boy on the Sabbath. Now, if a boy can be circumcised on the Sabbath so as that the law of Moses may not be broken, why are you angry with me for healing a man's whole body on the Sabbath? Stop judging by mere appearances, but instead, judge correctly. At that point, some of the people of Jerusalem began to ask, Isn't this the man they are trying to kill? Here he is speaking publicly, and they are not saying a word to him. Have the authorities really concluded that he is the Messiah? But we know where this man came from. When the Messiah comes, no one will know where he is from. What's interesting here is how well the Jews knew their scripture. I mean, how many people in the United States would know scripture like that? Not today. Heck, I don't. I don't. And I read it every day. Then Jesus, still teaching in the temple, courts cried out, Yes, you know me, and you know where I am from. I am not here on my own authority, but he who sent me is true. You do not know him, but I know him, because I am from him, and he sent me. At this they tried to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him, because his hour had not yet come. Still many in the crowd believed in him. They said, when the Messiah comes, will he perform more miracles and more signs than this man? The Pharisees heard the crowd whispering such things about him. Then 
the chief priests and the Pharisees sent temple guards to arrest him. Jesus said, I am with you only for a short time, and when I am going and then I am going to the one who sent me. You will look for me, but you will find me not. And where I am, you cannot come. The Jews said to one another, Where does this man intend to go that we cannot find him? Will he go where there where other our people live scattered among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? What did he mean when he said, You will look for me, but you will not find me? And where I am, you cannot come. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Now, so far, this is uh, this Jesus has been doing a lot of demonstrating how he fulfills the Old Testament prophets and prophecies. This one, again, at the tabernacle, the festival of tabernacles, celebrating how God provided the manna, the food from heaven to take care of the Israelites, and also the water from rocks. Again, Jesus is now talking about the living water will flow from him. So he's going to be talking about, he's demonstrating how he is more and the answer to the prophecies. By this, he meant the spirit whom those who believed in in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. On hearing his words, some of the people said, Surely this man is the prophet. Others said, He is the Messiah. Still others asked, How can the Messiah come from Galilee? Does not the scripture say the Messiah will come from David's descendants and from Bethlehem, the town where David lived? Thus the people were divided because of Jesus. Some wanted to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him. Finally, the temple guards went back to the chief priest and the Pharisees who had asked them, who asked them, why didn't you bring him? No one ever spoke the way this man does, the the guards replied. You mean he also deceived you? The Pharisees retorted, have any of the rulers or of, of the Pharisees believed in him? No, but the mob that knows nothing of the law, there is a curse on them. Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus earlier and who was one of their own number, asked, does our law condemn a man? without first hearing him, to find out what he has been doing? They replied, Are you from Galilee too? Look into it, and you will find that a prophet does not come out of Galilee. We then have a couple more scriptures. It says, um, verse 53, Then they all went home, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now that and a couple others all the way from into chapter 8, verse 11, some of the earliest manuscripts don't have these these scriptures or these verses. So there's a lot there, right? We have Jesus' own brothers kind of like, hey, if you're supposed to be a prophet and you're doing all these great things, maybe you should go up to the festival. And then Jesus is like, yeah, it's not my time, but I'm going to go there without telling his brothers in secret. And I'm going to teach. And then I'm going to go and really challenge them because I'm going to sit there and say, um, I'm the bread of life. I said that the other day. I'm the 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 living water. I'm going to go and, and really talk about all those elements on how I fulfill the, the Gospels 
or the, the um, prophecies. So there's a lot, lot here. The one thing I do want to read, and I know this one's going a little bit long, from Ada, uh, I'm sorry, from Charles Spurgeon. He writes, It is essential, dear friends, that we should worship the living and true God. It will be ill for us if, if it can be said, You worship you know not what. You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. The heathens err on the on sorry, the heathens err from this command by multiplying gods and making this and that image to be the object of their adoration. Their excess runs to gross superstition and idolatry. I fear that sometimes he who profess and call ourselves Christian err in exactly the opposite direction. Instead of worshiping more than God, I fear we worship less than God. It appears when we forget to pay due adoration to the Holy Spirit of God. The true God is triune, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And though there is but one God, yet that one God has manifested himself to us in the trinity of his sacred person. So Spurgeon is cautioning us to remember who God is, that he is threefold, that he is more than just Jesus. He is more than just the Father, but he's also the Holy Spirit. And at times, I know I find myself putting God in a box and limiting what he can do. If I'm in a bad situation, tough situation, financially, personally, safety-wise, whatever it might be, I sit there and don't see any way that you know I could get out of my situation and I try to fix it myself. Again, like the, the five loaves and two fish. And I limit God because of my limited perspective. Spurgeon is reminding us not to do that. Not to have a vision of God that's only on Sundays. That's only so big. He's the creator of all. And it's really something we need to be aware of. So with that, let's go back to God in prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word. Your word is amazing. It teaches us, it talks to us from thousands of years ago to today. It's still relevant and critical to our lives. It's not just relevant, it's imperative. It's a must. And Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you for your word. And I just continue to pray that it be you, Holy Spirit, who speaks to us. That you would be the one that guides us. That you would be the one that we hear. So, Father, I pray for this time, I pray for this group of people listening, that they would be blessed beyond measure. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining me at Just a Guy and His Journey Back to God. I hope you have a great day.